0: The following audio is from Harvest Fellowship. For more information about Harvest Fellowship, visit HarvestABQ.org. We're in a series right now called He Gets Us. It's a series about Jesus, which I think is a, a novel thing for a church to talk about Jesus for a whole bunch of weeks in a row. We're talking about who he is, what he said, what he did, and my favorite part, how he changes our lives. And today, I'm really excited about this particular message. It's been stirring in my heart for a little while, and and I'll set it up this way. Um, There's some questions that are being asked in our culture today. Um, Whether they're being asked kind of out loud in this matter-of-fact way that I'll state them or not, they're definitely being asked by the way that we're living our lives. Questions like this. Who gets to define truth? Do you, do you feel like that's being asked in culture today? Like, like who, who really gets to define that? Like, wh- who says you get to define that? What about, what about my truth, right? Like, like there, there's these questions like, why can't we just live according to our feelings? And why can't all of us be right? I mean, you be right and I'll be right. We all we all be right. And, and ultimately, we're asking this, what is truth anyway? I feel like there's a mounting pressure in our culture to dissolve morals, to lower standards, and ultimately to allow everyone to just decide what's true to them and to live that way. We're living in a time where we're not supposed to tell anyone else how to live. We're not supposed to to impose our beliefs on anyone else, and everyone is just supposed to decide what is right for themselves, and it's dangerous. There's this, this trap that we're, we're, we're led into, and it's this, the trap is this, is that to support a person, you also have to support their ideology. And, and, and this is such a dangerous place. In fact, I think it's probably the first time in our, in our history that, that, that culture is saying that not only do you accept the person, but you have to accept the things that they believe. You have to support me, and you have to support my ideas. And what's so dangerous about that is that that doesn't allow for discussion that doesn't allow for us to, to talk about things it just closes it down and and it's just this simple idea that you I want you to support me and everything that I believe things that were once maybe 10 or 15 years ago um, just there were there were widely accepted irrefutable you know values and beliefs in in America are now considered fringe extreme and dangerous. And listen, this isn't only happening, I'll say it this way, out there, right? Out in the world. It's also happening right here in the church. Our church and lots and lots of other churches. We're, we're being told that there is no truth. And that's what we're going to talk about today. By the way, I'll just quickly, I want to preview the next series that we're about to go into. I'm excited for this series. It's called La Familia. And it's a, it's a series on family. It's a series, uh, my my subtitle is How to Family. All right? It's it's—it's literally, I'm going to help you on, on things around marriage and around parenting and around all things family. And, and as I started thinking about this idea that truth, Truth is relative, that truth gets to be your truth and my truth and don't tell me uh, how to live my life. That, that idea, I started thinking about parents and, it, and just a really fast preview for La Familia. I just want to tell parents in the room today that you are allowed to define truth for your family and for your home. Like, I I don't know why, but I feel like I want to give you permission as your pastor that you, moms and dads, get to define. Like, let let me say it another way. Your kids don't really get a vote because you are the mom and you are the dad. All right? You get to define the truth in your home. Parents, it's okay for you to correct your kids. In fact, it's your job. It's, it's your job to let them know when they have gone off the path and they're doing something that is not in the pursuit of godly truth. Are you with me? Y'all are being really quiet today. Am I am I making you mad or or you're just you're still thinking about Ava's sermon? I know, I know. All right. So today, as we look at Jesus, I want to ponder this question about truth. And and most of us, we know. We know Jesus as, as a person who was all about love and compassion. He, he served. He was full of humility and, and mercy and grace and, and all of those things. But how did Jesus handle people and situations when, when they disagreed with him? That, that's what I, what I really want to dive in today. What happened when people disagreed with Jesus and the message that he was preaching. And so before we dive into it, I just want to pause. I want us to spend just about 30 seconds in prayer. And I'm going to add my ask of you is this is that we believe here at Harvest that God's Word is living and active. And every time we open God's Word, every time we dig in, that there's an opportunity for the Spirit of God to speak to us. And we want to take full advantage of that moment, of that time. And so we do this thing at Harvest where right as we get into God's Word, we just stop and we pray and we just pray this prayer Lord, I'm opening my heart. I'm listening. Will you talk to me today? And I will warn you that it's a bit of a dangerous prayer because most of the time when God talks to us, He He challenges us and He shapes us and He helps us to mature as followers of Christ. But I think you're a, a, a group of people that would love for God to challenge you and shape you. Am I right? All right, how many of you will pray this prayer with me today? We'll do that. All right, let's pray. So, Father, thank you for your Word. That's timeless. It's powerful. It's life-changing. We trust you. We trust your word today. And Lord, as we open your word, we're asking for your help. Will you talk to us today? Will you help us today? Will you make us more like you today? In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. amen. What happened when people disagreed with Jesus? Jesus had a very famous conversation with a guy by the name of Pilate, Jesus about to go to the cross, but first he has to be on trial and Pilate is leading this he, He's the one that he's the Roman governor he has Jesus on trial and there's a couple of verses here that, that I want to point point you out point out to you because, because it just tells us so much about what happens when someone doesn't believe the same things that Jesus believed. So Pilate says to Jesus, "You are a king then that's the, the accusation. That's being brought to him as Jesus stands trial. He says, There, they're saying that you are a king. And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world, watch this, is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate responds. He, it actually, in, in the version I'm reading, it says that he retorted. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute because that's different than just a response. He responds this way. He says, Pilate says, what is truth? He's kind of a little bit snarky. Like, what is truth, right? Like, like, this is the same question that people are asking today. What is truth? Here's my premise today, I don't know if it will surprise you or not, but even though Jesus was loving and kind and compassionate and humble and merciful and all of those things, I also want you to see this part of Jesus' life today is that Jesus did not agree with everyone. Jesus Did not agree with everyone. I I want you to see that today. That yes, he was a man of peace, but he didn't agree with everyone. Yes, he was full of humility and love and grace, but he didn't agree with everyone. In fact, Jesus over and over actually dared to disagree with those that stood against this word truth. We saw that in that passage I just read. Truth came out multiple times. Jesus knew who he was and what he believed, and he did not. Back down from it. That that's kind of the premise, and and that's really my hope for you is that as you discover your identity in Christ, that you would be confident in who you are, that you would be confident in what you believe, and that when culture comes up against that, and, and we have these conversations around what is true, that you would be empowered by the Spirit of God to stand up for what is right and to not. Back down. Here in these verses that we read, Pilate is, is picking a fight when he says, he says to him, Jesus, you say that you are a king. That's that accusation that's that's come against him. And, and you gotta pay attention to, to how Jesus responded because nice Jesus might have just backed down in that moment, but he doesn't. Do that. He doesn't. He he looks at at Pilate, right? And he, he he's like, I'm not afraid of offending you. I'm not afraid of telling you the truth. I'm not afraid of of hurting your feelings. And and Jesus dives in and he uses this word truth. And Pilate, he's he's snarky. He he retorts. It's snark. This word retort. It's a. It's like it's sharp. It's it's accusatory. It's it, there's something to that. Where Pilate just says, What is the truth, and that's what I, that's what I want to answer today. What is the truth? So, so I have three things I want us to think about when it comes to truth. And the first one is this: is that truth is exclusive. Okay, truth is exclusive. Now, our world would love for you to believe that there are multiple paths to the truth. That you can believe a truth, and I can believe a truth, and and someone else can believe a truth, and there's a bunch of different ways to get there. But I just want to set the record straight today, I want to tell you there is one place and one place only for you to find the truth. And I'll say it this way. All truth can only be found in Jesus and his word. All truth can be found only. I'm using exclusive words, right? All truth. That's exclusive. That, that's, not, that's not some truth. You, you'll find a little bit of truth. I'm telling you, all truth can be found only. Only is another exclusive word. There's only one place to discover what is actually true, and I'm just telling you today, it's in Jesus and his word. This is why Jesus stood before Pilate and He said, He said, I came into this world to testify to the truth. That was his mission on the earth was to come and to reveal the truth. And, and, I'm, and I'm using these exclusive words. I'm, I'm doing it on purpose because there's this thing in the world today. I don't know if you've heard someone say this, but but sometimes I'll be in a conversation and I'll be laying out what is biblical truth, which by the way is the only truth. It's exclusive. And someone will say back to me, Well, that's your truth. And I've always Thought that was interesting because the very idea that we can all have different truths kind of erodes the whole idea of truth. Because if your truth and my truth are at odds, they can't both be true. Am I right? There has to be a singular, exclusive truth. There has to be. There's no such thing as your truth and my truth. There is only the truth. Let me see if I can help you with it this way. How many of you know what this tool is? Say it out loud. It's a tape measure, all right? This particular tape measure is made by Milwaukee. Uh-huh. Uh, nah, I knew I'd get an amen from Jace. Uh-huh. Any Milwaukee? Where's Ross at? There we go. Ross likes Milwaukee. This, is, this, by the way, was from Home Depot. This was not purchased at Lowe's. I just need to tell you that. All right. So, so, check, so, so check this out. I'm, I'm trying to address a problem, okay? Culture wants you to believe that each of you gets to define your truth. And here's the problem. It's often based on this, this word, feelings. How many of you have ever heard someone say, or maybe you've said, well, I feel like, and you describe something that, that, that it, it shouldn't be subjective based on feeling. It's objective, but you're using your feelings to say, well, I feel like. So, for example... I could look at this table that my iPad is sitting on, and I could say, I feel like this table is six feet tall, okay? That's what I feel like. That's my feeling. In fact, just in your own, okay, what, what, what height do you feel like this table is? Just just think about it for a second. Just, some of you are calculating. I can see Lisa right now, and her, I can see the math in her eyes. She's trying to figure it out, right? So, so you feel, anyone have some numbers in your head? Just say them out loud. How, how tall do you feel like this table is? Someone, you know, three, three foot two, nine feet from Pastor Tyler, all right? Uh, three foot six, right so so as you can tell there 's a lot of numbers being thrown around out there right but here 's the problem here 's the problem is that 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 truth is not based on feelings okay it 's not based on feelings. We need something to measure the parts of our life by that defines what is actually true. So you feel like this table is nine foot, three foot, three foot two, three foot six, whatever you think it is. But I can take my Milwaukee tape measure and I can verify that it is three foot Five inches. That's forty-one inches. Did anyone get that right? By the way, a few of you got that right. Here's the problem. Watch this. How many of you got it wrong? Raise, just be, go ahead. Raise your hand if you got. So, a, so a bunch of you got it wrong. And let me just tell you that you'll get uh, you'll get a lot of things in life wrong, a lot, if it's only based on your feelings, because they're misleading, they're deceptive. Right, they, they, they lead you around and, and and here's the deal: we need something to define what is actually true. We need we need something to measure our life by and to see how we're actually doing in our life to verify what is actually true. Don't live by your feelings, truth is. Exclusive, it can only be found in Jesus and His Word, and so what we do as followers of Jesus this is why we 've taken eight weeks to study Jesus is we look at Jesus, who He is, what he said, what he did, and we read his word, we study his word, and that becomes our tape measure. <laughs> That becomes, listen, you can think that you're doing good in some part of your life. You can feel like you're doing good in some part of your life. And by the way, we also do this. We feel like we're doing good because we judge how we're doing based on how someone else is doing. And you know what you do? Subconsciously, you never find someone who's doing better than you to make yourself feel good about yourself. You find someone who's doing worse than you so you can look at them and go, well, at least I'm not as bad as them. I'm doing better than they are, so I must be doing really good. But what you need is not to compare to someone else. What you need is to, uh, to compare yourself to God's word and to the truth. And you measure and you go, oh, I'm lacking in this area of my life. Oh, this is, this is what God has asked me to do. And now we have something to strive for, to attain, right? to, to go after. But we've got, we've got to pursue the truth. Now, if you're mad at me, let me just show you, this isn't the only time, this conversation with Jesus and Pilate, where Jesus talks about the truth. There's quite a few times that Jesus in the scripture validates exclusive, absolute truth. One of the most famous is found in John 14, verse 6, where Jesus said, he said about himself, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he said this, just to be clear, no one comes to the Father except through me. He was defining truth for you and I. He said the truth is that the way to get to the Father is through the Son, through Jesus, and it's, it's exclusive. There's not another path, he says. There's not another way to get there. The way, the exclusive way to get to the Father is through the Son, He says it's exclusive. The psalmist David writes in Psalm 31.5, he says, into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. I'm telling you that all truth can only be found in Jesus and his word. The bottom line is that truth is what God says truth is. It's not what you say it is. It's not what social media says it is. It's not what the news media says it is. It's not what the current politician says it is. It's not what your buddy at work says it is. Truth is, if you want to know what's true, truth is what God says is true. You want to know the truth about marriage? Go to God's Word. You want to know the truth about family, like we're about to do in La Familia? You go to God's Word. You want to know the truth about sex? You go to God's Word. You want to know the truth about money? You go to God's Word. You want to know the truth about sin? Go to God's Word. You want to know the truth about salvation? Go to Are you following me? You want to know what's true? You go to God's Word. Truth is exclusive. Now, here's the second one, and I've already touched on it a bit, but truth is absolute. It is absolute. It's not relative. It is absolute. I love how Jesus is talking to Pilate and he says, I came to testify not to just truth, but to the truth, the truth truth that that there's an absoluteness to this now we already talked about where truth comes from that all truth can only be found in Jesus and his word so this might seem a little bit redundant but I want you to know today that you don't get to decide what is true God tells us what is true by definition truth can't be inclusive it can't be a both and your truth and my truth it has to be either or so the beautiful thing about truth is it makes clear what is right and wrong truth doesn't change. It doesn't evolve. I mean what was true a hundred years ago is still true today and it'll still be true a hundred years from now. And it's because of this is that we've got to put these these ideas together that God and truth is absolute, that it, it never changes. And the reason it never changes is because if God is truth and God never changes, then truth never changes. I'll show it to you in the Word. Malachi 3, verse 6 says, I am the Lord, and I do not change. You've heard some of these, I'm sure. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is eternally changeless. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Revelation 1, verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Psalm 119, 81, Forever, O Lord, your Word, forever your Word is firmly fixed In the heavens, I'm telling you today, God does not change. His truth does not change. And here's the bottom line is that we don't like this idea that truth is exclusive and it's absolute because it's too narrow for us. It's just too it's too narrow, so it makes it uncomfortable. We don't like it. You mean that you mean you know Jesus stands up, and he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And he narrowed it down. There's not a bunch of paths. There's one path that leads to salvation. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 says it this way: Enter through the narrow gate. <laughs> There's this narrow gate that we must enter to. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to salvation destruction and many will enter through it but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. By the way, congratulations if you have found the narrow gate, (laughs) the narrow road. And let me just tell you that it's our job to call out the truth and to point people towards this narrow gate, this, this narrow road. To lead people there and to say, hey, that wide gate that you can go through, it will only lead you to destruction. But there's this narrow gate and it leads to life. It leads to to prosperity, it leads to blessing, it leads to to hope, like that is the gate that we want to go through. So truth is exclusive, it's absolute, and here's what really actually makes it unpopular is that truth is divisive. Truth is actually divisive. One of the questions today is this. Why can't we just all believe our own version of the truth? This is where Jesus is talking to Pilate. And I just want to make sure you see this. When he's talking to Pilate, he says, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Okay? Everyone, Jesus says, on the side. In other words, Jesus is quite literally drawing a line. And he's saying, look, on one side of the line where he is, is truth. And on the other side is not truth. And he says, everyone that is on the side of truth. In other words, truth is divisive. Truth creates sides, and we don't like this. This is unpopular to, to have sides, right? To, to like you're on one side and I'm on another. So, so I found myself recently as I'm digging into this idea. Jesus didn't agree with everyone. Jesus stood up for what was true. He drew a line. He said everyone that's on the side of you." So how do we handle this idea that truth is divisive? And so I went back and I started looking again at Jesus, who he is, what he said, what his character is, how he lived his life. And I just want to show you two scriptures that I think help us to to see how Jesus really handled things when he was in disagreement with someone who stood against the truth. Two scriptures. John says this, says, Jesus answered. We saw this one already, John 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So that represents a particular character trait of Jesus, which is simply this, that Jesus is the truth. He, he quite literally said, I am the way and the truth. So Jesus is the truth. But then we also see in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever has love has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not Love does not know God because God is love. In this, watch this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we've loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So we have one verse that tells us that Jesus is the truth, but we also have this verse in 1 John that tells us that Jesus is love. I love how 1 John points it out. He says he was th- that this love of God, God is love, it says, and the love of God was made manifest into the world through Jesus. So Jesus comes into the world, and this is what I want you to see, is that simultaneously Jesus is both truth and love both truth and love and and here's why I'm pointing this out is that I just don't think the church has done very well in this is that there's a lot of churches that are really good at love but they're so loving and they're so kind and they're so compassionate that it's difficult for them to be truthful with people who disagree with them and so they don't want to call certain sins out because they feel like it'll be unloving to call those sins out. And so in, in, instead they just go, oh, we just, but we just love you. 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 But they won't ever tell the truth. And on the other hand, there's some churches that pride themselves in being truthful. And quite honestly, the truthful crowd often are big bullies. And they take the word of God and they use it like a hammer. And they want to go around and they just want to beat you over the head with it. And it's not that the things that they're saying are not truthful, it's how they're saying them. And the truthful crowd often picks a particular sin that they really, really, really dislike. And you and I know all sins are the same to God. We know this. But we also know that there are certain sins that bother you more than others. There are certain sins that get under your skin more than others. And so the truthful crowd takes that one or two that get under your skin that you really don't like and they go around and they find every verse to support their position. And they memorize it, usually in the King James Version. (laughs) And they go around and they find purposely, they seek out people who disagree with that position and they just go to war. I mean they just they I'm gonna quote scriptures, I'm gonna tell you how you're wrong, and I'm gonna put you down, and I'm gonna beat you down, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna write, and there's truth, 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 truth. Can I just tell you that both of those sides are not accurately representing the Jesus that we read in the Bible? Jesus was both: the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And He was the manifest love of God in the world. So Harvest, you don't have to agree with everyone. You don't have to agree with positions that go against the truth that we find in God's word. You don't have to just be so loving that we just accept everything. Here's the difference. We accept everyone but we don't have to accept, this goes back to where I started, the culture lie right now is to accept me, you have to accept my ideology, no. I can accept you and I can love you, but one of the most loving things I can do is to tell you that you are wrong. One of the most loving things, parents, that you do to your children is you correct them. You help them to see what is wrong. You teach them you, you help them. You, right, are you following? Me? They, it's loving to teach your kids. In fact, um, I'm, helping, I'm helping coach track right now. And there's a few kids on the track team that I can tell you. I don't know their family. I don't know them. I don't know anything. But I can promise you one thing from having coached them for one track season. Their parents did not correct them nearly enough. Thinking about offering to the parents free spankings. We should do that during La Familia, Lisa. We'll do that. She said, no, we won't do that. Most loving thing you can do is to speak the truth in love, in love. We're not supposed to be a hammer. We come in in love and we share the truth. John chapter eight, I'll close with this verse. John chapter eight, verse 31. This paints a picture. Remember, Jesus said, everyone who's on the side of truth. So what he's saying is, here's the line, and I'm inviting you. It's, I know it's divisive, meaning some will stay on that side. Not everyone will come, but he's inviting. I want you to come to the side of truth. And John chapter 8, verse 31, paints a picture of what happens when you get on the side of truth. Check this out. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, which is God's word, which is the the thing that defines the truth. If you hold to the truth of my word, then you are really my disciples. Verse 32, then you will know the truth. And watch this, I love it. And the truth will set you free. Now again, Jesus is truth. He embodied truth. He is the truth. And what he's really saying is, hey, when you accept me into your life, And you make me the Lord of your life, the Savior of your life, the Redeemer of your life. When I come into your life, you can have the truth. And the truth, Jesus, he says, and I will set you free. Why don't you stand with me? Our worship team is going to lead us in a closing song. I'm asking for two things to happen. Number one is this, is that for some of you, you need to ask the Lord to help you to be the tape measure of your life. And the Holy Spirit might might remind you of an area of your life that you've kind of worked out your own way of feeling good about. And the Holy Spirit might come alongside and say, hey, can we measure that? Can you allow God's word to be the standard of your life for that part of your life? And I would just encourage you to, to lean in to that when the Holy Spirit does that, to allow him to, to be the one that sets the standard for the truth. But here's the second thing, and this, this is so important, so, so important. Is that I love how Jesus drew a line and he said, hey, I want you to come to the side of truth. Here, here's, the, here's the question, here's the, the most important question I want you to, to ponder today. How confident are you that you are on the side of truth? That you're on the side where Jesus is standing, the truth, and he's there and he's invited you. How confident are you where you're standing with Jesus? Like it's, the mo- it's the most important question that, that you can answer. It's just, have you surrendered your life to to the degree that you say, I don't get to define truth in my life. The only thing that is true is what Jesus says is true, and I'm going to align my life with that. So in a minute, I'm going to, after we sing one song, we're going to worship for just a minute. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to do what he does. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you, are you on the side of truth? And and we're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to invite you to, to, surrender your life to Christ, and, and every week, people do this. Every single week, people are giving their lives to Christ, and we're going to help you on that journey. It's just, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. Would you just, would you spend these last few minutes tuned in to the Holy Spirit and what He would want to do in your life? How many of you will do that? Will you do that with me? Thank you for listening to the Harvest Fellowship Podcast. For more information, visit harvestabq.org.